It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. All power to the people. All power to the people. All power to the people. This is the People's Black Panther Party, Blog Talk Radio, for self-determination. Our chairman is Brother Yanger Nkrumah, our national director of operations, Sister Seven Khadijah, and I'm the national chief of staff, Brother War. And today we got, again, co-hosting the Panther 48, Brother Syke and Brother E. And, and we're dealing with the, uh, the mirror's eye, reflected empirical contradictions, and perceptions on advanced agenda. Today we're talking about the Earth's human caring capacity and the taboo of overpopulation and the covert control countermeasures. So we're going to get right into this. First thing is, what is the caring capacity? This is the number of organisms that an ecosystem can sustainably support. An ecosystem caring capacity for a particular species may be influenced by many factors, such as the ability to regenerate food, water, atmosphere, or other necessities that populations need to survive. Les Brown of the Earth's Policy Institute stated, based on the current ecological human footprint accounting, it would take 1.5 Earths to sustain our current level of consumption. Environmentally, the world is in an overshoot mode, and that's what we're going to talk about. One of the areas of that that a lot of people are not familiar with is population management. There is actually a department and a group of people that focus specifically on how to deal with population control. And a lot of us like to look at that as being conspiracy. And to some degree, of course, yes, it is. But what we're going to do is get into why this is, is in, in fact, what it, the way it is. So population management is to manage the human population control and they're tasked with the process of implementing control measures to target Projected growth, reproduction, and natural resources required to sustain a balanced society. A United Nations population fund report entitled Facing a Changing World, Women, Population, Climate. No human is genuinely carbon neutral, especially when greenhouse gases are figured into the equation. And even David Rockefeller was, was quoted for saying that the negative impact of population growth on all of our planetary ecosystems becoming apparently evident. Jacques Cousteau even jumped in and said, in order to sustain a world population, we must eliminate 350,000 people per day. That's cold, y'all, 350,000 people. And he said eliminate 350,000 people. And we know how y'all like Jacques Cousteau out there. CNN founder Ted Turner said a total population of 250 to 300 million people which is a 95% decline from the present levels, would be ideal. Now, these are what some of the world power people are saying. And let's go into some of the statistics with this here. So in the year 1804, it was projected that the, the world population was 1 billion. In 1992, excuse me, I'm sorry, 1927, it was projected that it was 2 million. The year 1959, it jumped to 3 million. Now, notice that from 1927 to 1959, you're talking about 
roughly a, a 30-year period, and it jumped $1 billion already, whereas the previous statistics show that from 1804 to, eight, to 1927, which is over a, a, 100 years, it took that long for it to get to $2 billion. But now it starts skyrocketing. So from 1959 to 1974, it increased to $4 billion. From 1974 to 1987, it jumped up to $5 billion. 1999, $6 billion. Year 2011, $7 billion. In year 2020, it's estimated that we got 7.7 billion people on the planet. And of that, people, this is, this is the kicker part as we keep going through this. Dealing with the biomass of mammals on the planet. 60% of the mammals on the planet are designated for livestock. Let me say that again. 60% of the mammals on this planet is based on livestock. And, the 30, and 36% are humans. So you got 60% and then 36% are humans. And that leaves 4% for wild animals. That's crazy. So only 4% of the mammals on this planet are, 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 are wild animals. So we got to take that into consideration. So we're basically saying that 60% of all mammals are grown and bred just so that we can eat them and just so we can get milk from them and just so we can get produce from them. And that's all for the human consumption, which, which takes up 36%. And right now, as it stands, the world only has 4% wild animals. So every time you see a squirrel running around in your backyard, that counts for that, one, that 4%. That's crazy. But Patricia McCormick, a UK philosophy professor at Cambridge, who is also an extinctionist, and a lot of y'all didn't know there was a such thing as somebody called an extinctionist, and yes, there are extinctionists. She wrote a book titled The Human Manifesto. She states the worst thing you can do to the planet is to have a child. It's the one taboo nobody wants to speak about. McCormick goes on to state that human beings cause climate change by creating greenhouse gases. More humans mean more emissions. One study, for instance, found that the carbon legacy of just one child creates 20 times more greenhouse gases than one can save by recycling or driving an electric car. And you hear all the time when we talk about driving these electric cars and recycling and we're going to save the planet. No, man. child that is born creates 20 times more greenhouse gases than we can come up with by trying to recycle. And even Prince Henry and the British said that him and Meghan are only going to have two children maximum for the sake of the planet. We are the only species on this planet that seems to think the place belongs to us and us only. Keep that in mind. The majority of the land by humans is used to feed animals that we eat. This is most inefficient and selfish ways to use the land. Another area to get into within this here is another thing that people are not familiar with, the fertility, the fertility replacement level. Fertility replacement level. I'm sorry about my, my uh, accent, y'all. This, this is proposed to be 2.1 children per family. Now, obviously, we're dealing with mathematicians that come up with these statistics because there's no such thing as a point one, But they're saying that 2.1 children per family is what it would take to correct the population crash crash course we're on over a period of time. So basically, any time we have a family that's creating more than two children per family, 
you're creating, you're putting the earth in a position of where it is, is headed to this level of destruction here. And it's projected that human population would never get over 9 billion because the breakdown of the earth's ecosystem would naturally lead the demise of the invasive population and self-extinguish in the, ca- in the cascading effect on the life forms and environments that support that overgrowth. This self-repairing pattern would manifest by ways of global warming, viruses, disease outbreaks, and the increased rapid rate of endangered supportive life forms that humans depend on to maintain the reproductive replacement. Better put, we are consuming our way into depletion. The ocean population of fish is getting to the point of not being able to support the natural environment, yet alone what we take from it. The rainforest, the tree forest real estate is shrinking to the point that the diversity of the yet undiscovered wildlife is dying off faster than we can measure the effects it have on the support of wildlife that has flourished, which is being killed off to make room for cattle grazing and factory production. The carbon footprint is growing at a rate that the atmospheric protection zones are allowing increasing cosmic radiation to come through the planet, turn AIDS to gas buildup that melts the polar glaciers and raises the water levels and the condition cascades. This people is a planet fighting back the cancerous plague of humanity. Now, statistics show the averages that European families have one to two children. American families have two to three children. In China, they have one to two children. Now, in Africa, they're saying that you have the average family of six to seven children. Now, what are the contributing factors to these numbers and these variables? A lot of them being political. Technological, the ability of contraceptives, religion, wealth, and education. So we understand that. It is also a known fact that for the wealthy nations to consume the current level of resources, the so-called underdeveloped or unwealthy nations must do without. So keep that in mind, people. This is why technology of pasteurization is so important. That's the one thing a lot of people take for granted, pasteurization. But what does that allow? It allows long-term storage, maximum profit, and hoarding of food. This is why you able, people are able to get fat. If the human population was one-third of its current level and lived plant-based agriculture could be grown that is only meant to feed human population and not feed the livestock that feeds the humans, then we'll be back to where we need to be. Another example of this madness is the fact that the largest scale a large scale population of corn growth is for ethanol. You hear that? The largest growth of corn is for ethanol, not human consumption. Once the resources in, uh, that we use to point out the products themselves take up more real estate than the direct organism itself, then we know we have reached a critical mass threshold because we spend way more agricultural land, we use a more agricultural land to develop products feed the livestock. And the livestock itself, itself again, takes up 60% of all mammals on this planet. And all that is just so that we can eat. And we haven't even gotten to the real estate that we deal with for the sake of creating our residential environments. So also given the fact that allocating, uh, allocated consumer bases that are using 80% of the resources only make up 20 to 30% of the total population. It goes to show the imbalance of the invasive species. 
So, again, 20% of the population is really the ones that are consuming 80% of the resources of this world. So let me get into this by addressing within the Panther Party what we refer to as our 3Ds. So with our 3Ds, we go into define, develop, and defend. So in saying that, what, is, what, what defines a human right? How is the nature of human rights develop and establish the groundwork for defending the human rights? So a human right is a fundamental right, especially those believed to belong to an individual and in who exercise a government may not interfere as the right to speak, associate, assemble, work, etc. So a lot of us feel that it is a human right to be able to decide and determine how many children we can have and how we go about populating this planet. Now keep that in mind. Because now I want to go into something that the Germans dealt with. And we're going to also apply this to the 3D. Because the Germans defined the need for euthanization as the foundation for developing the genetic tree of the, Nord, the Nordic blonde-haired, blue-eyed, highly intelligent, tall beings, as they, as they like to put it. And based on the racist approach of the Darwin's natural selection, and yes, Darwin's natural selection was extremely racist. Most people don't know that. And they quote it without ever actually reading any of the information. It was governed that the survival of the Germans depend on selectively breeding out the traits that would not produce the poor Nordic gene pool. Therefore, they de- started defining this policy. Hitler put in place the development of extermination camps and made it illegal to protect the so-called inferior bloodline. He then went on to defend this by fortifying military structures, command, and lifting the pride of the so-called pure to the point that polarity could be maximized and prevent the population from embracing the morality that viewed the inferior bloodline as a people. These religious, political, and educational policies groomed a society that would absorb the logical sequencing of extermination and thereby viewing the process as God's plan. This is crazy, people. This is what was going on with with population. So what do you think black leadership have to say about overpopulation, Brother E? Um, Well, (laughs) everything, everything that you just said in terms of party uh, uh, leadership, in terms of 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 black people and the uh, African people and the the uh, 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 global conversation that's taking place and has been taking place for quite some time, all of that is irrelevant. None of that makes a difference to anything for black folk simply because leadership has failed as a leadership tool, as what leadership is supposed to do leadership of the New Black Panther Party has failed miserably the, the, the membership, African people, today, yesterday, tomorrow, completely. Sight, you failed. War, you failed. I failed. Uh, uh, Brother David, uh, uh, Aaron, uh, Malik Zulu Shabazz, all of us failed. And the reason I say that is simple. There's this uh, Italian dude 
I don't even know how to say his name, Gashi or something, something from the, the time around Mussolini. Mussolini had him uh, uh, locked up because of his, his views and whatnot. But I like him just because of one thing that he said. And this dude was a historian. This dude, back in those days, you have to remember, and we're talking about white folks. White folks study stuff, and especially in terms of being leadership of something. He was part of the leadership of the Communist Party over there in Italy, in that part of the world. This cat, uh, and I'm going to look through some notes in a minute and see if I can find his name so I can pass it along, but this cat said that the first thing that a people do when they're pursuing freedom is to take control of the educational process. At no point in time has New Black Panther Party attempted as a whole, as a body, to take control of the educational process. What we've done is to sit back and be reactionary. I don't know anybody that came into the party that had to be educated that the police were killing black people. I don't know of anybody that didn't know that by the time they got to the party, but that's what we focused on. We focused on that for 20 years. We focused on it for 20 years before that and 20 years before that and on back. But we've allowed ourselves to be a part of the oppressor's reactionary uh, 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 culture where they light a fire, whether it's a black man getting murdered, whether that black man is Malcolm or anybody else, and we run to that, and we focus on that, and we watch their 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 videos on on Netflix reopening a case that if they find out exactly who killed Malcolm today, what does it matter? We're still oppressed, so we've allowed ourselves to be made these instruments of our people's oppression. You know, it, it, I wonder if all those years ago, because this is not the first time we've had these conversations. You know, we 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 we've refuse to embrace our own culture and our own existence. And, again, this is leadership. I'm not talking to the the average Joe that's listening that wants to find out what's going on or what's this party thing about or what's this phone number that I got, blah, blah. I'm talking about cats that call themselves chairman or, or minister of this or blah, 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 all of that crap. I'm talking to the cats who have placed themselves in a level of responsibility for the masses of the people. We are not even willing or able to humble ourselves to sit down, shut up, and listen to classes so that we're better informed, so that we understand when we tell sisters and brothers to go and vote as if voting has something to do with the, with, with the, with the political process, when in reality, even some what they call now woke white people will tell you that voting is the least effective way to affect change in this country, ask George Bush. Ask Donald Trump. They both lost the popular election, but you're still going to go run out and vote, and we're still going to tell people to go vote when it means nothing. I don't think most of the leadership is even aware of the four isms that we sat down and put together 20 years ago that were a blueprint for the developmental process of black folk, African people in this country. I don't think most of us we hear these phrases thrown back and forth like black nationalism. Black nationalism, as Malcolm had it, the, the uh, 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 
uh, uh, control of economics in our own neighborhood, collect control of the politics in our own neighborhood. We decide what goes on in our own zip code and area codes, our own city. It's basically uh, a power of the physical, what's in your, your, your fingertips reach, what you can see, taste, smell, touch, all of that. It, it, it concerns itself with immediate power, power, you know, right away. That's, that's ism number one. And if we're in the process, if we're about the process and we're about becoming, we start at ism number one and we move along to the other four as a part of the process. The second ism is uh, pan-Africanism. Pan-Africanism moves beyond our own zip codes, our own area codes, because it moves us to a, a scope of thinking that Garvey had it, that, that uh, Africa is for Africans at home and abroad. It's geographically boundless. It's global in scope. It allows us to develop relationships beyond the five senses. It is a latent power because when you do things that are far away, it takes a little bit more time for those things to develop than when you do things that are right here at home. It also causes a a reversal of the minority conflict that we have. We always hear, oh, we're minority this and minority that. Yes, we're a minority in this country, but we are a global majority and we began to link up and exercise and utilize that power that comes from being the majority, then we can even start to peer into the mindset of white folks. Imagine being a global minority. The only way you can have a white kid is to have two white parents. It's that simple. It's that basic. The power of the African is so profound that it spews forth from our hips. Just the motion in our hips is enough to completely change their paradigm, and we don't realize that. The next uh, ism in the process is the is black liberation theology, where pan-Africanism was geographically boundless. Black liberation theology takes us to a point where we are temporally boundless. And what I mean is that it synthesizes generational experiences because black liberation theology, not the nation of Islam, not the black Hebrew Israelites, none of that, a It's not about a religion. It's about a a perspective and an understanding that binds African people of today, yesterday, and tomorrow so that the experience of those sisters and brothers from 2,000 years ago become our own. And those needs and concerns that are going to exist for African people 2,000 years from now are palatable and tangible, and we're able to actually make them a part of our reality, our concern, and make better decisions for the future, which are actually better decisions for right now. We begin to see that as we synthesize. We're able to reach forward and backwards endlessly. All of this comes together and is consumed by the fourth ism, which is African-centered thought. It consumes the three and gives us a universal African perspective. It places us in the, it places the individual, the indivisible duality, the person, us, at the center of consideration, we're now able to look at the world as a, a, a totally, totally connected African who is experiencing things that all Africans experience, but experiencing those things as a singular person. It creates the ability to have and express a global voice because now we're in the center, but we have consideration for all of those things that are external. And it's only when we get to that point that we can do that thing where black nationalism says, act locally, African-centered thought says, think globally. 
You can think about the world, be concerned about the world, and figure out what you can do right here and right now. If that means shopping less at Walmart because of their their investments in an economy that's destroying humanity and the earth, then that's what we do. But again, I say as I said, it's all irrelevant because you niggas are hung up on some police are killing black folks. We have no proof, or we have the proof, but this cop a few weeks or months ago put a brother in the front seat of a patrol car, brother's handcuffed, put a seatbelt across the brother, had him in the patrol car, ended up shooting this cat seven times. And we wonder, well, didn't he have a, 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 a camera on? Wasn't, weren't cameras supposed to solve all the problems? Up, oh, who'd have figured? He didn't turn it on, or it was broken, or any other 700 excuses that they had for the cameras before the cameras came out. Or the police review board, that'll take care of everything. No. It's just another political body to divert your attention. Doesn't take care of anything. Doesn't allow us to move through any type of process so that we can see the world. We got to understand and get out of this, 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 I don't know what else to call it, but this nigga mentality. People get killed by the police. Why? Because we're at war, and we've yet to accept that. People die in wars. We were at war when they first brought us over here. We've been at war ever since. They know it, but we refuse to accept it. And again, this is black leadership, New Black Panther Party leadership. How the hell is a vanguard, supposed vanguard of the people's movement, going to allow itself to run around and go and tell people to vote? When white people are telling you to vote, who the hell tells the, the, the oppressed how to get some of the oppressor's power? We keep doing the same shit over and over, so your question is irrelevant because we can't get out of the rut. We have no voice. The, 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 the punk, the queer, whatever you want to call them, I don't care that I'm saying the wrong word. I don't care. I'm trying to start some shit tonight because ain't nobody doing nothing but the same old bullshit. But the reality of it is these gay folks with their organizations have a voice in the climate thing. People, the, the, the news and everybody goes to their organizations. What do y'all think about it? What do y'all think about it? They have a voice in it. Obviously, Republicans and Democrats and every other group of people, Asian groups, the, the, the Mexican or Hispanic or whatever group, their confused selves call themselves, they have a voice. Everybody else has a voice in it. The niggas ain't got no voice in it because we can't figure out which way is up. We can't figure out that black folks are going to get shot and we got to get over it and get down to the business. Imagine being in the middle of Iraq or Libya or in the middle of any of the other uh, uh, wars of oppression and exploitation that this country is fighting and being upset because, oh, that soldier over there just got shot by one of the enemies. Yeah, that happens when you're at war. But the leadership of this party seems to not want to embrace that reality or do anything about it. And I guess that's why I pulled back personally, because I have more of a voice by myself than I have by aligning myself to a group of people, to a leadership that would have me doing the same classes that I did 20 damn years ago. You realize, bro, we did this class 20 fucking years ago. <laughs> and people, leadership still ain't moving it along. Leadership Still ain't picking it up. So I, I don't know if that answers your question, but I feel better now. 
So, <laughs> you know. Let, let, me, let me say this about that. Let me say this. I would say that basically. Say it. It's irrelevant. I understand what, I've already told you what you have to say is irrelevant, right? No, no. Let me jump in. Let me jump in. What E is getting at, yeah. and I want, and, and this is what the listeners, I, I need the listeners to, 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 to peep on. If you look at our, the, the majority of our organizations, you look at the majority of our efforts and our causes, regardless of a Panther formation, this ain't even just a Panther thing, but regardless of our formations, most of it has been based upon reactionary social injustices, being reactionary to social injustice. But this also goes back to, talking about Pan-Africanism and black nationalism and African-centered thought, this also goes back to the fact that if you even of the, of the Panthers from the standpoint of how they ended up blowing up on the scene had more so to do with them standing up for the, standing up for the fact that they didn't, they didn't want to continue to allow police brutality to take control and grips of their neighborhoods. We were dealing with segregated societies. But at the same time, within those societies, black people were not exercising their rights and not recognizing their rights. So what the Black Panther Party did was, was attempt to get the people socially, economic, and politically conscious of the power that they had within their community. What happened with that and what, we, what the mistakes that we have to learn from historical significance is that we focused too much on the things that caught the attention of the people for the sake of recruitment, for the sake of publicity, and anything that would bolster or boost the image of the organization, but not the concrete work in terms of the evolution of the organization. And so with that, with that focus, what blew up and what, and what people picked up on and what even the younger generations continued to carry on was the aggressive military or militant stance and everything that goes along with dealing with the reactionary effects of that, like the police. The police still maintains to be one of the number one perspectives that, that, you know, formations deal with. And unfortunately, what this is saying is that we're still in survival mode. What Brother E is talking about is the fact that the, or the, what we were supposed to be learned back when we were the new Black Panther Party, and I let, let me make sure I correct this, and get ever get this out here. This is the People's Black Panther Party at this point. And the aim and objectives of that is to deal with self-determination. So as we talk about self-determination, this is the reason why these particular types of topic, topics have to come to the table and why we're using podcasts to throw this out there. Because people, we have to know that we have, been, we have been going down the wrong path. We have been going down a reactionary path. We have been going down a path that is causing us to take put too much focus on the reactions and the small enforcers of the, of the elite, elite power structure. So let me ask Brother Sight, jumping in from what Brother E is saying and what we're talking about with overpopulation, what do you, what do you have to add on that? Well, I'm going to go two parts because I got something to say about overpopulation, but I got something to say about what Brother E said. And my thing is, I think he's uh, uh, correct about leadership. The question is, what do you do about it? Because it's one thing to complain about it, but it's another thing to come up with an answer and a solution and a direction. And, you know, you, you can say two things. You can say one, I mean, three things, actually. You can say that leadership is doing what needs to be done, their own point. You can say that leadership ain't on point. They can't get on point. Basically, we stuck where we at. Or you can say that there's a 
uh, way to change that direction and move leadership where it needs to go. Because any true revolutionary understands that revolution is a science. And the job of any real revolutionary is to raise the consciousness of the people. There is no revolutionary thought, no revolutionary ideology if the consciousness of the people is not being raised. Your actions could be 100% correct. Your ideas could be 100% correct. But if they don't raise the consciousness of the people, they're not revolutionary. They're reactionary. So I, I agree to, to, to a large degree with what Brother E is saying, but my question in the deeper sense is what can be done about it? What changes need to be made? What direction do we need to take? And where do the quote-unquote so-called leadership need to be, be uh, focusing their attention on? You know, is, uh, is, it, is it deeper than just educating the people? Is, does the leadership now need to be re-educated themselves? So we have to come up with a solution to that. On the other so keep, that in, keep that in mind and 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 give me a give me a full detailed understanding of that. But I want to go to the overpopulation thing real quick. And uh, right. you, do you want to speak on that or about the leadership? No, thing no. Before I go to that? no, no. Okay. Mind me when you get done, so we come back to that. Yeah. All right. All right. Bad, now the overpopulation thing. I'm not 100% sure. I believe or agree. That the Earth is overpopulated. I'm not. I'm not sure of that. And the reason for that is because I'm looking at these facts. I'm looking at these statistics, and we're getting these statistics from a, 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 a European frame of reference. We're getting the European statistics. And then once you got to, what you got to do is whenever you're trying to deal with, whenever you're trying to do uh, critical thinking, you got to ask yourself simple questions. Where where is this information coming from? Who is giving us this information, and what motivates them? So we got to look at this thing. Uh, Brother Walt broke it down. He explained it that that when we deal with it from a from a real point of view, that Europeans, white people, have the least amount of children. They have the least amount of population. When he explained that, that on average, African countries are having six to seven children, and he said white countries, European countries, are having one point two children. So you you look at something like that, and you got to say to yourself that if you're in that in that group that's having the 1.2 children, you would be afraid of overpopulation. Because what that means is overpopulation means that there's more niggas coming into existence. Overpopulation yeah. is there's more people of color coming up on the planet. And if there's more people of color coming on the, on the planet, then it might get to a point where that people of color could overrun me. So maybe this whole conversation or this idea come from a from a point of view of politics of fear. Now I want to I want to break this down real quick, and I don't want to take too much time. Uh, I want to I want us to understand the European mindset, and this is not racist. This is not me being hateful. This is just being realistic. Let's be scientific with it. The European mind state was developed in Europe. Oh, that makes all the sense in the world. It's like you ain't said nothing special. But you got to understand, not the, not the Europe we're talking about now. We're talking about a Europe that was completely surrounded by ice glaciers ice, and an ice right. age. You know what I'm saying? That was freezing cold. So here you have a people that's in the freezing cold, and the only food, there was no strawberries or potatoes or corn growing naturally, none of that, because it's too cold. <laughs> so all you have, all you have is other mammals to eat. They're hunting you and you hunting them. And, and and when you're in that type of environment, what you're looking at is you're looking at a you're looking at nature as the enemy. Nature is trying to kill me. The earth is trying to murder me. 
all the animals on the earth are trying to kill me. So what I have to do is I have to conquer and dominate this thing in order to survive. Now let's 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 let's, let's go to Africa, where it was hot, the sun was shining bright. You had natural uh, uh, springs, you had food growing naturally, uh, berries, fruits, everything. And you open because you have foods growing naturally. You got vitamins, minerals. You got everything needed to fully develop the human brain. In that type of environment, you'll have people saying, "Nature is for me. Nature loves me. I'm one with nature. Everything is in balance." You have this type of mind state developing. So you'll have these people in this ice age coming out, coming out of that ice age with a thought process of, "I have to conquer nature," because you don't know. Our ice age may come, and nature will try to take us out the game. And this is what this is why I think the Europeans developed the idea of overpopulation. In the nineties, they said that the Earth would not sustain no more than the people that was on the planet then. The Earth's population has doubled since then, and it's still sustaining. So that means that what they said, in the, what the so-called specialists said in the nineties, is not necessarily true. So what we're dealing with is we're dealing with an idea based off fear, I believe. I think we're dealing with ideal based on fear. And another thing, and I want to and I want to throw some concrete facts in this, not just on my beliefs or my feelings, but let's deal with some actual facts. What in sociology? Sociologists define countries' power as core countries and as peripheral countries. Ward talked about this a little bit earlier when he when he did the introduction. But the core countries just so happen. Majority of the core countries are European countries. The only country that's considered a core country that's not white-based is China. Every other core country, which which means a center country, which means that it's a superpower, are all white countries. Canadian, I mean Canada, uh, America, uh, England, these countries like this, they're all core countries. The peripheral countries, which means the outskirts, the countries on the outskirts, the, the countries that are being seen from the side, it has no real value in the, on the world stage are all countries of color. Every single country in Africa, all the Latin countries and most of the Asian countries are considered peripheral countries. Now, now this, is, this is interesting. The core countries, which make up only 20% of the, of the Earth's population, control 80% of the resources. And the peripheral countries, which make up 80% of the Earth's population, only control 20% of the Earth's resources. When we look at that, then you might have to ask yourself, maybe there's, there's enough resources, but just too few of the people have too much control over them. Same thing in America. If you look at America, 20% of the wealthiest, most powerful individuals in the country control 80% of the resources. And 80% of the population in America only controls 20% of the resources. Maybe that's the reason why there are people starving or people that's poor and hungry because there are people that got so much that they could throw it away. There are people that got so much that they like to spend uh, over an uh, uh, unnecessary amount on food that they, don't, they can't even eat all of. Maybe that's what the problem is. Maybe it's not overpopulation. Maybe the problem is the unuse of resources. Then look at the planet. The planet is 196,940,000 square miles. According to Ralph Epperson in the Unseen Hand, and I don't know if he's 100% correct with this, but in the Unseen Hand, when he first wrote the book, I think it was 5 billion people on the planet. He said you could take all the people on Earth, put them in Oregon, and give them all 50, 50 by 50 square feet of land to live on, and they could all live in Oregon. That's just one state. Now, we got another 196,940,000 square miles to deal with. So maybe 
the overpopulation thing is a scare tactic to the people because they want to check uh, uh, people of color like they've always done. And one more thing, and I know I've got long-winded, but i got to say this because, brother, you brought this up about minority majority. When sociologists label a group of people minority, talking about the numerical value of the people, they're not talking about that. They're talking about your power. So you could yeah. be like in South Africa or like in India. You could be the, the numerical majority, but you're still considered a minority because you don't have the power over the resources. You don't have political power, military power. You don't have any of that. P. Newton said the only way to be considered politically powerful is to have one or three, at least one or three resources. He said that you had to have a, a military power, you had to have a feudal power, or you had to have economic power. Whenever a group of people don't have those powers and they're, and they're living in a close arrangement with another group of people who do have those powers, that group of people, no matter what their number is, is considered the minority. And the people that have the power over the education, over the politics, over the economics, that group of people are considered the majority, no matter what their number are. So what we're dealing with is we're dealing with people with different cultures, different ethics, different moral ways, different folk ways who had to come in contact with one another. And, and that, that group of people that lost that battle, that power struggle, became the minority. And that group of people have then been, been uh, uh, targeted for elimination. And the whole ideal and concept of population control and population overgrowing the Earth's ability to uh, uh, to uh, Feed that group of people is used as a scare tactic, in my in my uh, humble opinion. Okay, let me jump on this because Brother Psych is saying basically. Uh, go ahead, you want you want you want to hit it? Yeah, because you're born, you're born. I'm talking Psych. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, let, let, yeah, no, I'm give saying. me opportunity. Give me opportunity. Check this out. So what Psych is getting at <laughs> is we're actually <laughs> dealing with a worldwide apartheid. Not just in South Africa apartheid, but it's actually a worldwide apartheid. If you really step back and think about what's going on and what has been in, in, in psych, I would go on and say that what we're not dealing with is a fear tactic because keep in mind, now what we have to break down is the concept and difference between strategy and tactic. What we're talking about actually is, is a strategic weaponized way of life because a fear tactic would just be something that causes you to have a knee, a knee-jerk reaction. But if you are strategic, because remember, strategy comes before tact, being a tactician. Tacticians, when you're out there in the field and have to make calculated moves, planning a, well in advance ahead of time of how you're going to make those moves on the chessboard. And so what we're dealing with is we're dealing with a 20% of population that is strategically controlling and manipulating the consciousness of the other 80%. And in doing so, that 80% doesn't even think about uh, population control. It ain't black. Black folks ain't thinking about population control. They thinking about population control. And what they're doing, and you got to keep this in mind, people, what's happening is the world is becoming more technologically advanced, more automated, and more autonomous. And as it does so, you have less and less need for physical labor. It's almost like the Industrial Revolution all over again because what happened with the Industrial Revolution, and keep in mind we had black folks back during the Industrial Revolution trying to outpick the cotton gin. So here you had niggas on the plantation who were so afraid of the way of life changing from them being a slave that they had, they had to try to outpace 
the, the, the machines, the mechanisms that was picking cotton. We had that. We tend to forget that. And we're really dealing with a modern-day version of that, where black folks are afraid of the change, afraid of growth. And at the same time, because of the, the direction that we've been forced, that we forced ourselves to take on as a result of them being strategic, like I said, we're talking about a worldwide apartheid. And what happens in a situation like that is that you look up, and by the time you look up and realize what's going on, you, you realize that they done land grabbed and took everything, and then there's no place for you. Now you're in a position, now you bagged up into a position to where it's very, it's, 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 it's very little that can be done without a whole lot of bloodshed and a lot of folks dying off. And I'm going to go back into the concept of this. So basically what we're talking about is black folks have been ignorant. Not ignorant, but ignorant. And ignorant is ignorant to ignore, <laughs> smashed into ain't. You take ignore and you take ain't and you smash them together and you get ignorant. Which means you are purposely going out of your way to avoid growth. This can only be applied, this, this not only can be applied to physical actions, but take also the role of extermination on a mental and a spiritual plane. And that's why I say it's strategic. This is a type of person that is tagged with, as being a moron, which leads to the injection of eugenics. Yeah, we have to go there because that's what we're basically talking about. This, the, the plan to deal with the overpopulation forms into eugenics, which is a process of controlling reproductive population by employing selective breeding and neutralizing undesired genetics by the practice of extermination and our sterilization. And we know this is what's going on. This practice was originally studied as a way to enhance the genetic potential of humanity, but like with anything else weaponized, it takes the forefront of the application and becomes the drive of its use. So the 20% of the population has the control to deal with the 80 other percent of the population by extermination, and that's what we're dealing with. E, what, do you, what else you want to jump in on that on? Yeah, I'll give you a C on that, bro, because you may you have me make one note. Uh, you keep working on it, and you'll be more excited. <laughs> but what what you what you what you brought to mind for me is 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 a phrase that I hate with everything I am is this idea that I'm a grown ass man or a grown ass woman, as if that's something to be. The only things that don't grow are things that are dead. So you go ahead and be a grown ass dead ass man or woman. Now, that's all I have to say to you, boy. Now, back to the exciting part, uh, site. So the idea understood that sociologists and whatnot are defining minority and majority in certain terms, but it kind of undermines itself simply because numbers are power in themselves. So to say that, that majority and minority is determined in regards to the power is wielded is directly related, in most cases, to the numbers. There's not an overwhelming sense of direct power in deepest and darkest Africa. There is an overwhelming sense of, 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 of white power in deepest and darkest Africa. But if you go to South Africa, it's a much greater sense of power for white people because there's a more of a majority in, 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 in those areas. The, the power that wielded in the, the, the less white parts of the continent 
are done by proxy, white folks working through black folks. So those black folks, those Africans that are exercising power where they're exercising white power where there are few or no white people are exercising black power but or African power but in servitude to white power. So-called Hispanics in this country are becoming more of a, a political threat, an economic threat, because of their numbers, because they are having babies faster and, and at a higher rate than, than white people. That's always been a problem for, for white people is reproduction. Dr. Francis Press Wilson, I know you was pulling hard from her in the ISIS papers. That's cool. I dig that. But to go back to what you had initially kind of put out there, and I agree that to sit up and point out something is essentially what we've done for, for years and years to say, here's the problem, here's the problem, here's the problem, and have yet to come up with any viable solutions is simply because we don't observe what types of solutions are around because they don't fit our concept of solutions, our ideas of solutions, because we keep taking our cues from the oppressor. You know, you, 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 one of y'all hit on the idea of we, keep, we, we focus and, and, and are concerned about recruiting. My question is, the hell are you recruiting people into? You got nothing to recruit them into except a recruitment drive. It's, it's a pyramid scheme for recruitment. You're just getting people on so that you can get some more people on, so you can get some more people on and just keep on doing it. And that's what's happened for at least since I've been around. That's been like the number one uh, conversation argument we had, again, 20 years ago, and it's, I've heard it still being had today. And I think one of the things that we can or should can or can't do or whatever you want to look at it is stop changing the damn name. Seems like every time I come around somebody that's a part of a party organization or a panther organization, it's a panther of another color. You know, it's always the people's this, the new black that, and this. We change names of our organization more than, I don't know, anybody, any organization that changes it up just because you get two new people who want to do something different, so they change the name to accommodate them. We are so, so flimsy with that. You don't see white organizations, organizations with power, real power. The NRA has been the NRA for a little while. You know, the Ku Klux Klan has been the Ku Klux Klan for a little while. Yeah, they have their splinters and offshoots, but the reality of it is, even with that, when they have something to do, they typically come together to get a certain job done and then go on about their business. We don't do that, so we can't even use that as an example because I know one of y'all was going to go that direction. So, yeah, 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 no, it don't work. And as far as the solution to move forward, it's easy for me. It's just difficult for people to accept, I think, because it doesn't fit the pomp and circumstance and the flashiness of it. But the reality of it is the Organization for Black Unity down in San Antonio, Texas, last I heard, is still going strong. Been in operation since the mid-'70s, had five memberships for years and years. They've got a school, K through 12. They've got uh, uh, sisters and brothers that are graduating from their school, going on and becoming doctors and nurses. One cat, uh, I think his name, his name is Oba, I think is uh, working on his master's or his doctorate. He studied with Naeem Akbar at, you know, Real colleges. He's not doing some online stuff, some whatever. It's like real stuff. You know, they, they've got restaurants. They've got bookstores. They've got a library that's open to the public. They've got six or seven figures in the bank. You know, they, 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 they've got all of this, this that they have, have accomplished over the years with five members, five people. 
because these five people were dedicated to doing something. These folks, some of the membership, at least one brother, uh, Bobby Phil, who I think has passed on and joined the ancestors at this point, but even though they had their own school, he would join the PTA of the, of, of, of the public schools in the area so that that organization could have a voice to even those children who were outside the immediate scope of that organization so that they could be a benefit to the community. And this organization did all it is. Five members, no white input. They're not a, a nonprofit organization, so there's no status, uh, no uh, tax status that they're, they're, they're getting out of it. This is just five people who said enough is enough. Let's do this. And they put in the work while all of us would sit around bitching about everything, every little thing, can't decide who God is, can't decide who's dark enough or who's too light, can't decide who killed what, can't decide who shot Jr. can't decide Jack. But in the meantime, these five black folks have a small, mini nation. They don't need to go to a bank if one of their members wants to buy a home. They get the money themselves. Boom, you got a home. They don't have to go to the government for student loans. They pay for their, their students that graduate. They pay for them to go to college. They ain't begging no fucking body for nothing. But we're whining and bitching because people are killing us, because people are doing this, because we can't do that. But we can, but we refuse because we keep running into the arms of the oppressor trying to mimic what they or do, follow their rules and what they've, been, what they've broken down. And so we have nothing. OBU could stand up and say, hey, you know, global politics this, overpopulation that. You know, uh, uh, they're killing off our people in, in Indonesia or whatever. They can do that. They have a position. They have power. They have earned the right and responsibility to do just that. Niggas in this organization ain't earned shit in that direction. So I like the conversation. Would love to be able to have the conversation with some relevant people. But we don't have that. All we have is irrelevant people talking about the same issues over and over again. So that's what could be done. Something. All the stuff that we've done ain't work. So let's not do that no more. Let's do something else. How about that? Let's do something else. Let me else. say this about Anything what you're else. saying. Let me say this about, yeah, let me say this about what you're saying. We've had, yeah, I'm not, and, and I'm just, don't on, focus this on just the past. We have who, had. Who, who killed J.R.? <laughs> 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 I'm just saying, we might as well ask all the stupid ass questions that we've already answered because they already answered that. But we, we, we want to know again. Let's ask again. Who, who shot J.R.? Let's ask. So let me say this though. We got we got five we got five men. Let me say this. We have had organizations with power. We have had organizations that have had all of the things you just named, and there are other organizations out there right now. There are other there are other Panther fractions right now that may have some of that stuff you're talking about. The problem being on tonight's subject matter. The nice subject tonight's subject matter that we're talking about is the fact of overpopulation and the consciousness of the black community even realizing that we are being put under attack and put under a global apartheid. What is has what has the discussion the been on that? What has what has the discussion been on it? How we've been re, how we realize 
as Panthers in terms of attacking each other like you're talking about, I'm, 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 I'm coming with you on that, how we realize, and the whole point today is to put out there the fact that we have to go back and recognize that the whole policy, the whole procedure, and the whole direction in terms of what we need to be doing need to come out of survival mode and go into living mode. As a living people, you think about how you're being attacked, and you think about weaponization. You think about how the enemy has formed your opinion and formed your, your direction in, in the way you've been going. You realize before you, it's too late that you are being forced and played. And as a result of operating on a reactionary move that has exploded and caused people to continue go down that path, because that's what you're talking about. To me, from a rap hip-hop perspective, I would say that I would look at that as being the, 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 Tupac, the Tupac move. Because Tupac started off with a whole lot of revolutionaries, and he ended up getting on death, and then he ended up getting caught up in the East Coast, West Coast thing, and that took him out the game. before. So he got caught up in his own hype. And so what happened with the party and what happens with the party formations as a result of the image that is being portrayed out there is that we get caught up in this quote-unquote militancy that causes us to continue to deal with reactionary things. And like you said 20 years ago, point being, and this is where we need to go and how we have to end in, in tonight's conversation, the idea is to bring about the exposure of having a higher level of thinking, a higher level of consciousness, and a direction that will form and pull us back together as, 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 as a Panthers, as Panthers, and actually start addressing living ideas, living operations, and living methods that will actually put us in position to not be in this survival mode. Because as this apartheid gets on the way, then it's going to be down. Then it's going to all be about prepping. Then it's going to be every man, every woman for themselves. And we ain't going to give it. And at that point, you ain't giving a damn whether you're dealing with black or white. And then you got to look at the fact that, especially in our position right now in the United States, and this is the kicker to that whole situation, we, black people in the United States, are part of that 20%, period. No matter how you want to look at it, no matter whether you OBU or the, or the, or the Black Panthers or whatever, it, we what are all part of that 20%. Because what it is America, and it is, country, that, it is countries that like this that are, no, you in the United States, bro, we are in the, we are in the belly of the beast. When that, be, when that belly of that beast starts to go down, controlling. You, we are living within that, that environment. Don't think the ship no. can't sink and you, and you got somewhere to go. When that ship sinks, no, no, where no, are you no, going to go no, on your life no, raft? No. No, 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 no. We are not. We it, that's like having that's like having a dog living in the White House and saying he's a part of the White House administration. No, no. We are we are a unconscious, willing fool to the game. But we are not a part of the twenty percent because when you talk about the twenty percent, you're really not talking about physical ge- ge- geography. You're talking about power once again. So you're talking about the white power structure. You're talking about, at this point, you're talking about uh, Jeff Bezos and them, $135 billion heir that he is. These folks, the, the top 2% or, or 1% or 1, 1%, whatever, that control things in this country, that use us like autonomous uh, uh, robots to manipulate that 80%. We right. so basically, the boat, it, it, we ain't in this bowl where the boat goes. 
I get it. And this is where we're we have to end. We got down to, we're down to 15 seconds. We're down to 15 seconds. The oh, point being, we are being, we are being used. And so we have to, again, yeah. pull away from the position of being slaves. This, uh, that is the role of the modern-day slave is what I'm getting at, helping to enhance their position, helping to enhance. Anyway, you are a tool of the 20%, so you enhance the 20%. But this has been a People's Black Panther Party radio. Yeah, you were you. We wanted to hit you. Hit, we wanted to hit you with some different consciousness. Wanted to bring it to you. Make sure you have a different direction, a different way of thinking, and put something on y'all brain. <laughs> All power to the people. Black power. Peace and power. Yeah. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.